This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about tempeh. Yes. Um, which I believe I've said before on this show. That episode is one of the episodes that... Changing my life sounds very intense. Oh. But I did start eating a lot more tempeh. Really? After that. And I love it. Oh, that's yes. so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it, it, I, I say this in the episode, but it is one of my very favorite non-meat protein things. Mm-hmm. I love the texture of it. Yeah, it's right? Like, ooh, yes. Uh. <laughs> was there any reason this was on your mind? Nope. No burrs. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, I was just kind of going through the back catalog. Uh, this episode first came out in April of 2018, um, and uh, we had not run it yet. And uh, I was slightly confused about the way that you pronounce Indonesia in it. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, it's the way that people from there say that word. So I don't... Yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Glad it was somewhat correct. (laughs) No, yeah. As it turns out, there you go. Um, Mm. And uh, yeah, it's such a fun episode. Um, The the science in this one, I really nerd Mm. out about um, because it's nerdtacular. It's great. Oh, yeah. A lot of fermentation. Love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fungus. Um, Yeah. Yes. I just made tempeh. I made like a pasta with it. it Ooh. Oh my God. And then I coated it with like panko. Oh, all right. Oh. Oh. Delicious. Lots of uses for it. But yes, one of the reasons we are running a classic is we are about to go back uh, to Las Vegas. Um, (laughs) 
Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We're doing another trip out to the uh, to the Wynn Las Vegas Resort to mm-hmm. talk to some of their food humans on staff, and uh, we are very excited about that. Annie is like already wearing her travel jacket, uh, ready yes. to get on a plane in a couple hours here, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we will be back to our normal schedule next week. But for for, for now, um, I suppose we should let former Annie and Lauren take it away. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today, to make it up to you for doing a whole episode about bacon and corned beef. Oh, yeah. Like, kind of right in a row. We're talking about a uh, about a vegetarian protein source. We are. And it is a really fun one. It was a fun one to research. Oh, absolutely. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. It's tempeh. Tempeh. Or yes. Tempa. I've always said tempa because that's what it looks like to me, but apparently it's pronounced tempeh. Yes. I believe that is true, and there's—I've been trying, I've been campaigning for a tiny tempa tempeh joke, but I don't (laughs) think anyone will get it. For those two people out there that did, I feel you. We're on the same page. (laughs) All right, so tempeh, what is it? It is very fun to explain. It's sort of a patty made up of cooked and partially fermented soybeans. Tempeh can be used in a more general sense, referring to a wide range of mold-fermented foods. That is a fantastic phrase. Uh But for the most part, it's used to refer to soy tempeh. In the United States, many brands that sell tempeh add other legumes or grains or seeds in with the soy, like barley, black beans, or sesame seeds, to add to to the texture and flavor. Right. Taste-wise, it's kind of nutty and earthy, mushroomy. It's got some texture to it, and it's good in sandwiches and stir-fries. Yeah, soy tempeh is sort of like a chewy, springy, soft burger patty. The soybeans in it are whole or halved, really, and bound together with kind of softer stuff. Raw, it looks sort of like nougat with nuts or, or I guess like a slab of really dense mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tempeh has a stronger, savory flavor than tofu does and tastes a little bit less greeny or beany than most tofu. It's actually my favorite meat substitute. Oh, I was just about to ask if you liked it. Yeah, if you're going for a vaguely meaty texture, maybe it's just tied with seitan. Mm. Which is a wheat product and, and a whole other episode. Oh, my goodness, yes. Are, are, you, are you a tempeh fan? I've only had it a couple of times, and after doing the research on this, I want to rectify that. I did like it every time I had it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can cook it. Uh, mm-hmm. it, can, it can be boiled or fried. Uh, after you get past fried, why, why are you doing anything else with it? Yeah. Crumbled into soups or stews. Yeah. I went to this diner in Chicago, and it was an all-vegetarian, vegan. It was an all-vegan diner. And I've been trying to remember the name of it forever. So if any listeners know, it was near, is it Fisherman's Wharf? That's San Francisco. That that big place with the the Ferris wheel, Lauren. I've never hung out in Chicago. Okay. Well, they have a big dock thing. (laughs) And it was near there, and it was a vegan restaurant, and I had tempeh for the first time, and I remember really enjoying it. Anyway, listeners, please write in if you know what place I'm talking about. Back to tempeh in our episode and not random remembrances of Annie. Tempeh originates in Indonesia. The name itself is Indonesian and is especially popular on Java. 
Beginning in at least 1875, the Indonesian spelling of tempe usually involved an accent on the final E and no H. But when Malaysia and Indonesia modernized their languages to make them more similar in 1972, the accent was dropped. To make sure they didn't pronounce it like temp, European and English languages added the H on the end. The spelling shows up way earlier in Germany in 1896. The first written English spelling didn't appear until 1950. And if we're talking about health, tempeh is a popular vegetarian and vegan food, particularly as a meat substitute. A three-ounce serving boasts 16 grams of protein. For comparison, the same amount of steak only has 10 more grams than that. It's fairly high in calcium and iron and has zero cholesterol. It is similar to tofu, but less processed. It's not particularly low in fat, but it's got some of those uh, good omega-3s and omega-6s that you want. And along with the protein, its fat content will help fill you up and keep you going. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The fermentation process that tempeh undergoes increases the amount of easily bioavailable vitamins and minerals in the soy or whatever else the tempeh is made of, meaning that you will get more out of those base ingredients once they're fermented and therefore partially broken down already than you would get if they had not been fermented. So that's nifty. That is nifty. What else is nifty is I remembered the name of that Chicago thing. It's Navy Pier. I don't remember the restaurant. But I remember it's not Fisherman's Wharf, it's Navy Pier. So don't yell at me about that. Okay, Um, perfect. A 2015 study out of the University of Alabama suggested that soy proteins may have anti-inflammatory properties and possibly even anti-tumor effects as long as you don't go overboard. And of course, as always on this show, more science needs to be done. Uh, Yeah, for a little bit more about the health of soy products in general, you can see our tofu episode. I do a pretty big breakdown of of all of that. And the answer is essentially don't be too afraid of it, but don't eat it maybe every meal. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Bodies are complex. Mm -hmm. More, More science needs to be done. Absolutely. But now let's run some numbers. Ooh, numbers. Um, y'all, as it turns out, the tempeh industry is holding its cards real close to its chest. Uh, Without spending four grand on a detailed market report, I can tell you that consumption of plant-based foods meant to replace meat-based foods is on the rise in the United States. As of 2017, sales of tofu and tempeh together were worth about $99 million and expected to increase And NPR reported in 2013 that one Mr. Hendoko, the manager of a tempeh-producing co-op village in West Jakarta, expected that, and I quote, with government support and media promotion, in 20 years' time, tempeh will conquer the world. Huh. I like that. I do. Me too. Good for you, tempeh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And now it's time to talk about mold. Wait, what? Yeah. Aren't we talking about mold? Oh, yeah, we're talking about mold. (laughs) We are. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. Okay, so as we mentioned, this is a mold, modified, fermented product. Take it away, Lauren. Yes. She's so excited. Uh, so is this the first time we've gone in depth on mold? I, I, maybe. I mean, we, we, we covered fungus during our episode on mushrooms, and this is sort of an offshoot of that, which is sort of a fungus pun. <laughs> I am so excited. It is. And we did get to try that mold at, remember when we did that? Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the uh, mold culture starters out at... Holman and Finch. Holman and Finch. Thank yes. you. With our powers combined, we can remember the name of one of these restaurants we're talking about. Okay. So the easiest way to explain how the mold in tempeh works is by explaining how you go about making tempeh. And I'm going to roll with the example of soy tempeh for simplicity's sake here. So, okay, you start with soybeans, Mm -hmm. raw or dried, though if they're dried, you have to soak them first to make sure that they are soft enough to de-hull because you've got to get rid of that tough seed coat or hull to make the nutritious bits of the beans available for the fungus to eat. Ooh, oh, yeah. eating beans. <laughs> you cook the hulled beans until they're al dente, then cool to room temperature, and then you're ready to grow some tasty, tasty mold. The same way that you would add a starter culture to milk to make yogurt or to dough to make sourdough bread or to like plant juice to make beer or wine, you add a starter culture to soybeans to make tempeh. You're looking for the microorganisms to develop the flavors and textures that you want in the finished product. The starter culture might be a dried mix that you've bought, or it might be a little bit of your last batch of tempeh. Again, the same as in sourdough production. Additional microbes uh, like yeasts or lactic acid bacteria are often a part of the starter culture for tempeh. But let's concentrate on the mold for right now. Let's. Two specific types of mold fungus are usually used to make tempeh, both in the rhizopus genus, R. oligosporus and R. oryzae. Rhizopus, by the way, we were talking about this before we started, and our amazing engineer for the day, Tyler Klang, pointed out that it sounds like a character from Thundercats. It does. And it does. And also going to be a character in the upcoming... (laughs) The Dunker script. And if you've forgotten what the Dunker is, we haven't. Oh, no. No. Never forget the Dunker. Never. Okay, so rhizopus, rhizopus mold. As it turns out, these types of mold are really useful in food production for a few different reasons. First, they break down some plant cells so that they can eat the nutrients within, which also happens to make those nutrients more available for us to digest. Uh Uh-huh. 
Second, their poop is just hella tasty and nutritious. They, they naturally excrete some compounds that we humans register as flavor and some that our bodies can use to feed our own cells. Mold poop! Mold poop. Ah. A new bingo, <laughs> bingo card entry, perhaps. <laughs> I hope we get to talk more about mold poop. I know, right? Oh, I mm-hmm. think we will. Okay. Third, they don't want too much competition from other microorganisms, so they can produce antifungal and antibacterial compounds, which helps keep harmful microbes out of your finished food product. So just like high fives all around. Uh, Rhizopus. Yeah. <laughs> Rhizopus. Rhizopus. <laughs> Got a theme song. We do. Mm-hmm. So... You add your starter culture to your cooked soybeans, then create an environment for the microbes to do their work in a controlled way. That's going to be a mostly sealed container, like a Ziploc bag with a few holes poked in it or tightly wrapped banana leaves if you're going traditional. Uh, That keeps the humidity up and prevents too many free-flowing microbes from getting in there. And rhizopus likes to grow between about 85 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit. That's about 29 to 32 Celsius. So you'll want to keep the temperature consistently in that range. Mm-hmm. The rhizopus will grow on the soybeans, feeding off of them and producing shoots or fungal filaments or the mycelium. If you listened to our episode on mushrooms, in fungus, the mycelium is sort of the, the vegetative or root system of the organism. In mushrooms, it's what spreads out underground, which the mushrooms then shoot up from. But in your tempeh, it just covers and binds the soybeans together. Over the course of a day or two, your soybeans will be completely covered by the mycelium and firmly bound together into a cake. And then it's it's ready to eat or to cook and eat if you would like because it can be a little bit bitter when it's raw. Uh. So, uh, yeah, tempeh tastes sort of mushroomy. Because it's partially a fungus. Makes sense. Which might sound a little bit gross, but it's really so cool. You're you're creating proto-mushroom to eat along with your soybeans. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty rad. And also, it looks cool. It looks so cool, yeah. Um, and there are recipes online if you would like to try to do this yourself. Uh, the Kitchen has a really thorough one that I'll try to remember to link somewhere on social. Oh, y'all, I... I get so excited about fermentation. And what always gets me about fermented products is that humans noticed that they happen and that the results are tasty without having any idea why. Mm -hmm. And then spent years and probably centuries and probably millennia unwittingly but like really effectively developing and farming these colonies of microorganisms to, to make their product safer and tastier. And now science can tell us more or less how it works and it's only even more badass. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. Thank you, mold poop. Thank you, mold poop. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> let's talk about the history of this mold poop. Yeah. But first, let's take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. 
Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. Okay, so the history on Tempe is difficult to pin down, and there isn't a lot easily available research on it in right. English, yeah. at least from what I could ascertain. From, from from what I've read, a lot of the ancient stuff has kind of been lost to the ages because it, it's, it's certainly not that, that the people making it weren't writing about stuff. They just weren't writing about their food that much. Right. But uh, food historians think it originated on Java in Indonesia around 1800 CE, and it, but it could be up to 1,000 years older. One theory I read, it's even 2,000 years older. Oh, yeah, that's fairly large range. The first written mention from the region dates back to 1815 CE. However, this mention is describing, allegedly accurately, the period from 1613 to 1645 CE. Huh. Yeah, it's really... That's <laughs> a large range of possibilities. <laughs> it really is. I was kind of staring dumbfounded at my computer. <laughs> what? The reason food historians believe it may go back way further is that it has it's so widespread on the island of Java. Even the most remote areas have several varieties, and it's such an important element of local cuisine. 41,000 shops were using up to 17 indigenous seeds and press cakes by the 1970s, for instance. Ooh. Yeah. Written records of soybeans in Indonesia go back to 1747 CE, but soybeans probably were introduced with the opening of trade routes to China in 1000 CE. Around that time, the Chinese were using mold to make their soy sauce in a similar uh, method to the one used to make tempeh. It could be that the Chinese brought over this process and it evolved in Indonesia from there. Uh, there's so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Originally, tempeh was most likely made using high-protein cake byproducts of the oil pressing process for things like peanuts or coconuts. Ah. And also the soy pulp left behind when making soy products like tofu and various other agricultural byproducts that otherwise would go to feeding livestock or to waste. Mm -hmm. An article in 1900 CE described the process of making tempeh pretty thoroughly. Soybeans were parboiled, soaked for a couple days in water, steamed and spread out on bamboo trays and covered with banana leaves. Once that time had passed, some of the leftover mold residue from the previous batch was mixed in and the banana leaves were loosely replaced. The author noted that during fermentation, the temperature increased anywhere from 10 to 12 degrees Celsius. After some remolding, a little more waiting, the tempeh was sliced, 
and ready for the selling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) About tempeh made with coconut press cake. It's sort of notorious for sometimes going toxic and causing food poisoning and or death. Oh. Yeah. The first written case of this was reported in 1895 by the Dutch, but the locals said it had been around since they started making tempeh with coconut press cake. During times of economic hardships, these cases would increase since people would attempt to make their own tempeh with coconut at home. Ah. 10 to 12 cases a year were reported during Indonesia's economic depression from 1931 to 1937. Local legend was the angry spirit or goddess of the Indian Ocean was behind it. In the years from 1933 to 1938, nine studies were published about the poisonings and the bacterium they discovered was causing it, and I read them, and it was interesting, but also my brain was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) This this is a lot more in-depth than I was intending. (laughs) A couple of studies published in the early 1910s and 20s found that the protein in tempeh was high quality, a good complement to rice, and that tempeh had a good amount of vitamins A, B1, and B12. Previous to that, and after really not much scientific evaluation of tempeh took place, because it was seen as an inferior foodstuff for the poor. This sentiment lasted even after Indonesia secured their independence, with the president of the country from 1945 to 1967 making statements like, don't be a tempeh nation, or don't be a tempeh scientist. Oh, Yeah. During World War II, Indonesia and many surrounding countries fell under Japanese control, and tempeh became a vital food source for both the indigenous population and prisoners of war, despite a lot of the native starter cultures being lost in the war. Oh. I know. (laughs) A written account from a prisoner of war credits tempeh for preventing many deaths. The fermentation of the soybeans made them more easily digestible for the sick prisoners of war as well. Yeah. After a long, violent conflict with the Dutch, Indonesian independence was recognized in 1949. Some survivors during and after the war chose to immigrate all around the world, bringing tempeh with them. Tempeh wasn't commercially produced in Europe until sometime between 1946 and 1959. 18 tempeh-producing companies were operating out of Europe by 1984. And if you're like me, that's that's very recent. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Yeah. In the U.S., the first written mention of tempeh appeared in 1946, and Indonesian immigrants in the U.S. produced the first commercially available tempeh in 1961. Starting in the 1960s, the USDA and Cornell University started doing research on tempeh, which ignited tempeh scientific interest in Indonesia, Uh inspiring headlines in Indonesian newspapers like, Tempeh steps up to a higher throne. These studies suggested that Rhizopus oligosporus may be effective against the bacterium behind staph and other gram-positive bacteria. Here's my favorite finding, though. A study out of Berkeley in 1971 concluded that despite being made from beans, tempeh did not cause flatulence. That's right. (laughs) What's that kid saying? (laughs) Beans, beans, the musical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. Kids know it, Mm -hmm. but not tempeh. Yeah, the mold's already eaten all of the flatulence-causing compounds. Mm -hmm. Thank you, mold. Thank you. From 1979 to 1984, the number of American facilities producing tempeh went from 13 to 53. Oh. Yeah. In 1961, only the second scientific look at tempeh out of Indonesia came with this quote. 
The time will come when Indonesians will be proud of their tempeh in the same way as the Japanese are proud of their sake, the French people of their wine, Italians of their macaroni, Indians of their curry, the Russians of their caviar, the Dutch of their cheese. Yeah. In part, thanks to the efforts of the study's author, a search for ways to improve traditional tempeh starters in Indonesia began in the 60s. As we touched on in the tofu episode, the U.S. started exporting a ton, or 156 100,000 tons in 1976, and about double that by 1983, of soybeans to Indonesia. Before that, tempeh had been traditionally made out of domestically grown soybeans, which were more resistant to going rancid than the U.S. variety, and they were larger. Well, the U.S. variety was larger, cheaper, and cleaner. Right. Still, 64% of imported U.S. soybeans went to making tempeh in Indonesia. Behind the manufacturing of tempeh were 41,201 producers, a good portion of them small and family-run. Right. Mm-hmm. The tempeh industry employed 128,000 people and amounted to a retail value at the time of $85 million. From 1951 to 1976, 7,216 cases of poisoning from coconut tempeh were reported and 86 deaths. In 1976, a Reader's Research Project sent 60 people throughout the U.S. a kit to grow their own tempeh with a questionnaire for feedback. And the feedback was almost universally positive. Oh, heck yeah. Prevention Magazine published an article in 1977 predicting that tempeh may become the most popular product of the soy boom and that, quote, tempeh was on its way up. Other health publications of the time predicted the same, one writing that tempeh appears to be the most likely candidate for Americanization. One health organization even espoused the benefits of tempeh in the diets of cancer patients. I'm pretty sure that magazine was set up entirely to do that, though. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't get a real feel for it, but I have my suspicions. Um, The first book describing how to set up commercial tempeh production plants was published in 1980, the same year the world's first commercial tempeh burgers were introduced. Ah. Yeah. In 1982, tempeh starters could be found on Indonesian grocery shelves. One of my favorite tempeh ad slogans, all the sizzle, none of the steak. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. If we look at Japan, we don't see any written references until 1928. But when soy milk surged in popularity in Japan in 1983, so too did the popularity of tempeh, and production grew correspondingly. A year later, Japan had the largest tempeh company in the world. Ah. Yeah. There was sort of a frenemy thing that happened with natto and tempeh. Oh, fermented soy products versus fermented soy products. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, an article published in 1983 came with this headline, Natto that doesn't smell. Even young people like it. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and remember that Indonesian tempeh researcher from earlier, he returned to his home country in 1984 after researching in the U.S. and wrote of the occasion, tempeh is no longer considered an inferior food. Nowadays, Indonesians are as proud of their tempeh as the Japanese are of sake and French of their wine, exclamation point. Warms oh, my heart. So much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is something to be proud of. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a delicious and useful food. It's cheap, and it's real nifty. It really is. I wish that more of the history was available and clear. So get on it, anyone out there who has the, the ability to do so. Yeah. 
We would greatly appreciate it here at Foodstuff. We very much would. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed it uh, as much as we enjoyed doing it. Uh, I will say, because I remember very specifically having trouble finding history about this one. Uh, So, again, if you have any resources, anything we missed, any recipes? Oh, yeah. Always welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. uh, You can email those things to us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Special thanks to uh, Tyler Klang for helping us out on this one. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching! Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.